welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host. And joining me on the show today, we have author of the Grandma Dangerous series and the House of Secret Treasure. Her brand new story, Don't Tell Mum, I Made a Mammoth, is out now from Scholastic. It's Keita Mitchell. Welcome to the show. Hello, Marcus. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to have you on the show, Keita. How are you doing? I am really well, thank you. A little bit hot, but um, but things are, are going well here. Lovely and sunny, absolutely. Perfect weather to get to know a new friendly face. So let's get to know you in particular and let our lovely listeners know a little bit more about you and your writing journey. Do you want to tell us a sort of a, a snippet about how you got into writing and some of the highlights up to where you are now? I would absolutely love to. So, so I have always wanted to be an author. Um, I read so much as a child, I just never really stopped reading and it just felt like the sort of thing I'd love to do and for some reason I also thought that an author would have a very glamorous life so I carried on reading I had a little go at writing some books um, when I was probably about eight I, I wrote one called Cinder Smeller and another one called Mouldy Locks and the Three Bears but they didn't go anywhere so I actually ended up working um, in children's television writing and making models for programs like Fireman Sam which some of you may have heard of eventually I decided to give writing another go much uh, much much later and um, I did a little course in writing and I came up um, with the Grandma Dangerous series which um, the character in which is based on my very badly behaved mother so I had great fun writing the first book in the series and I was really lucky that then that got picked up and they asked me to write two more so I did and um, they were called um, so we had Grandma Dangerous and the um, Dog of Destiny, Grandma Dangerous and the Egg of Glory and Grandma Dangerous and the Toe of Treachery. Um, and they were all absolutely brilliant fun to write. I then went on, um, again, very lucky, got a deal with Scholastic and they asked me to write the House of Secret Treasure for them. Um, and that was great fun. That was about a little boy who, um, who was left a house in a pirate's will and inherited a house from pirates. Um, so brilliant fun to write. And the third one, which is, um, sorry, the second book, which is Don't Tell Mum I Made a Mammoth, which is out on the shelves today. And again, an interesting book to write because it had it had quite a strong message in it. So um, I had to sort of balance the themes of um, being funny and being serious in that one. Absolutely. And if anyone's wondering, well, what the heck is Don't Tell Mum I Made a Mammoth? Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about sort of Percy, about his story, sort of like that sort of back cover synopsis with a little bit more tantalisation to it? Yes. So um, the, the book was um, I, I, when I when I was growing up, my, my parents were activists and we used to go on a lot of demonstrations and we used to um, do a lot of campaigning to sort of save the planet and save the whale um and we used to do this most weekends and I would be there making my placards most of the time I was really into it but sometimes I just wanted to stay in bed I didn't especially if it was raining and I sort of I got why it was all so important but as a child you're not really as convinced as maybe your parents are so I thought well actually this would be a really good opportunity to sort of bring some of that to, to the book so Percy has got parents who are activists and they're trying really really hard to save the world the world um which is so important um and Percy really doesn't see 
that is as important. He doesn't really feel it was his fault that the world needs saving and would prefer to play, to play on his Xbox. So he, um, yeah, so he doesn't take it as seriously as he should and he messes around with something his mum has invented and gets into terrible trouble. So I don't really want to give away too much more, but so unless you want me to. No, let's leave the listeners to have to go out there and uh, grab a copy themselves to find out more. But one of the things I do want to dip into, well, there's a couple of things, but we'll get to the first one. I really like the way it sort of um, handled the sort of the relationship between Percy and Penny, because obviously he's Penny's coming to stay for a week and he's woe betide this because Penny's the snotty girl at school. She's really like uppity and prim and proper and as we've established Percy's sort of more laissez-faire shall we say a little bit more I really like the idea because it has you know that sort of like not enemies to friends but there's definitely like a you know they're not exactly like best best buddies but they have to grow during the course of the thing and I think that's so important for kids to see just because someone's not like me we can still be friends yes exactly I think I think that that is really important that they, they can they, they can not even agree on you know things like climate change or or the best way to go about things um and they can not really like each other but they still support each other and when it really comes down to it they're there for each other um and at the end they they do become friends sort of <laughs> still some way to go absolutely but let's touch back onto the base of the activism obviously there's that climate change angle to it like you say and it's always difficult when there is like something passionate that you're putting into the book something emotionally you're invested in or or some sort of stakes that you have a a sort of an angle on now with this obviously there's quite a lot of humor and you're trying to blend that sort of story craft humor and also a message did you take any time to like uh, rewrite certain passages, rewrite, take out entire chapters in certain new ones during the writing process to make sure you got that blend just right. Yes, and I had a lovely editor who helped me with that as well because because it, it was I did find it difficult because my previous books have been sort of quite silly and sort of there hasn't been there has been messages of up to a point but not not one of, as important as this one I suppose and I I didn't want to sort of mess it up by taking something that really is very important and making it um, laughable, I suppose. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so there was a lot of rewriting. There were, there were bits I thought I wasn't, I wasn't taking it seriously and we had to make the characters treat certain bits, you know, with greater reverence as such. And, um, and really just trying to get that message across to the readers without it being preachy or without it sort of distracting too much from the characters. And, um, you know, we didn't suddenly want Percy to go, oh, wow, this is, um, this is, I, I must be all serious now because he's not that sort of character. Um, so, so it was tricky and there was quite a lot of rewriting of certain sections. Um, but I think at the end we did manage to get it, get it so it worked. Because I, I did find this is probably the hardest book I've written in terms of um, make, making things work, getting the balance right. Yeah, and one part of that balance is also having a bit of fun with the science. And I thought it was quite charming because there's that sort of like that DNA splicing sort of funness to it, you know. It was interesting with that one, like, because there were some terms I'm pretty sure I saw somewhere. I was like, oh, actually, that's that's a quite hard bit of science there, which is sort of thrown in, especially when we're talking like DNA, especially with some like younger readers, you know, who are picking this up might not even be aware of that. Were you sort of did any research in a way of like adding a fact or two without just making it suddenly like a non-fiction chapter or I mean it was it was I mean I did loads of research and I I talked to lots of um, friends of mine who teach certain age groups and I I said you know do your do your pupils your children know about this sort of things it's disgusting in class and they they actually said yes actually that is a good age they should all know about that sort of thing we do talk about mammoths and you know 
the fact that mammoths have been found and and that they could take the DNA and and you know that we're actually on the cusp of practically of bringing a mammoth back. Um, whether it will ever happen, I don't know. Um, and they've you know all obviously seen films like Jurassic Park and um, and I really didn't want to go down that route. I didn't want to make it too much like like a Jurassic Park type thing where all the animals come back and it's all chaotic. I didn't want it to be like that. So yeah, so yes, all of those things had to be thought about. Um, but I think that yeah, extinction is talked about a lot in class now in climate change and that, that the role that has to play and the fact that all of these animals are dying out. So I think children are really aware. And I didn't want to sort of not give them the credit for for not being you know, not being aware of that sort of thing, because I think they do know and they they talk about it at increasingly young young ages now. So I, th- I think that they will be able to sort of get what's going on. Um, though obviously there is no machine that spices genes that was pure fantasy <laughs> so not yet anyway there's got to be some fiction along with the fun and that's that's one of the ways that you sort of blend it in I do like the idea of that because it does seem like it is going to be it is quite a tricky age when you think about the middle grade market it's sort of split into that six nine and then sort of a nine plus and you see a lot of like the the nine pluses sometimes they they almost depending on where they go they sometimes can go almost into very young young adult but obviously, when you're doing six to nine, that sort of lower middle grade, it is very difficult to to ensure that you get the balance right. And I think that mix was just so so lovely with some of the the goofiness, Doctor Cray being turned into the mouse, for example, and other bits and pieces like that. But also keeping it true to there's there's still a decent plot. There's a good message behind it. So yeah, I, I can imagine quite a few reworkings and draftings and just making sure you get that right, like little tweaks, like in science, you know, slowly adding a pipette of extra. Exactly ammonium yeah. to this mixture and seeing what happens exactly yeah no it's not it's not the easiest thing writing but there is a lot of chopping and changing and moving things around and in fact we did have dinosaurs in there at one point but um we decided to take those out because obviously humans weren't responsible for the um you know the death of the dinosaurs that was that was actually yeah <laughs> something completely different so we had to take those out which was a shame because i quite like my dinosaurs in there but um it didn't make sense to have them and those are sacrifices you have to make as an author yeah well it seems that it's all come together in a fantastic little story that sort of blends itself together and almost wraps itself into a nice neat bow at the end. And that got me thinking, obviously, because you talked about the Grandma Dangerous series at the beginning. And obviously you've got the sort of the House of Secret Treasure. Now, I haven't been lucky enough to read that, but I, I didn't see any mention of a, a sequel to that. So I was wondering if that's a standalone. This is kind of a standalone is there a sort of a difference to your writing process doing a, a standalone novel compared to like, I know the, the Grandma Danger se- series seem a little bit more like one-off adventures that you could read out a sequence. I'm guessing you get more from it if you do take the sequence or the series as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I, when I wrote, I wrote the Grandma Dangerous the first book as a standalone, but then they asked me to write two more. I loved writing the series because you get to know your characters so well. And when you know your characters that well, it's much easier to write the book because you know how they would react and what they would say in any given situation. So it just sort of almost like writes itself. So I really, really enjoyed writing those and the sort of characters come like kind of like friends really after you know they're still very dear to me after writing three books in that series and so I think I do so I do love writing series for that reason but also when you're writing standalones and they're they're fun too I mean there's all I think there's always a possibility of sort of you know sequels if they do well um and there's no reason that that couldn't happen but um with every book really it has to sort of be a standalone to a point um even if it's one of a series yeah so I mean I I prefer writing series that is that is my my favorite thing um, but I have really enjoyed writing the standalone ones. But yeah, there's always a little thread there somewhere to go somewhere else if you know anyone wants to offer me a contract. Yeah, hopefully so. Absolutely. But 
it's definitely going to be one of those ones I feel people will be able to pick this up. They'll be able to, like you say, they'll be able to read the messages. They'll be able to see the underlying nature, but have a great story along the way. So love that it's out there. It's Don't Tell Mum, I Made a Mama from Scholastic, out now at all good book retailers or online. Definitely should say go and check it out. But uh, obviously this one has a bit of a, a passion project behind it, Keita, for you. Obviously you mentioned your parents were activists. So that's where that story came from. I wonder if you have any other stories sort of bubbling away or anything working on the writing desk towards um, well, well I do I think all, all writers have notebook piles of notebooks with new ideas in and um, I haven't quite decided which one I'm going to go for next um, but I do have four, four daughters and they're always up to scrape getting into terrible trouble and they're, they're sort of heading into their sort of mid-teens now so so I think maybe my next project should be um, about about them and obviously I will change their names and um, and I've got a lot of material on that one. So there's that, I mean, there's lots of little things. I haven't started working on anything solid yet, but I've got lots of little ideas sort of bubbling away. They're just, they're just always is, but nothing I can actually tell you yet. Absolutely. Top secret. Top secret. As, as so much of the publishing industry is, yeah. you think, would you think all authors are, are secretly part-time spies with the, the secrecy oh, of the publishing industry? That would be fun. That would be lots of fun. It would be it would be fun, but it's it's really good to know. Do you have any ways interesting for, for the sort of maybe the the writers among our, our our listenership? You know, do you have any sort of thing that really sort of sparks? I know you mentioned your four daughters are constantly throwing up ideas. Is it sometimes you'll you'll see them do something or hear something they're talking about? Do you like say notebook? Do you write it down? Do you? I know some people use maybe their phones to like log an idea. Do you have any sort of techniques when you sort of keep them so you don't lose these threads as they sort of yes. jump at you? Yes. I absolutely do because because if you don't if you don't write something down it goes it, you think oh that's such a good idea I will remember that and within minutes it's gone so I text myself I um I, I open up my messages and I just send a text to myself and actually you thread back through them and most of them are just normal texts sort of other people and then suddenly you'll list something really odd and I'm like, oh, oh that was that really good idea I had so um so yes yeah, so, so I tend to I do use notebooks as well and I try to I have a few, but I try to sort of keep certain. So older ideas will be in one and then younger ideas will be in another. So they don't all go astray. Because um, I think when I first started writing, I literally just used little scraps of paper all over the place. And then that, that just that wasn't really working for me. Yeah, lost a lot of those. So um, I always think the things will things that are in my head will come back eventually, but they, they don't always. So any other tips? I don't think so. Just to try and sort of be organised and just keep writing, really sit down and just, yeah. You know, so when you have an idea, start to work on it a little bit more. So it's not just one line. It, it sort of turns into something like a paragraph and then suddenly that will spark something else. It sort of sort of grows. But if you don't start working on it, that doesn't happen. Exactly. You know, you know, you never start a journey. A journey takes the first step, doesn't it? And then you take another step. Don't think about the miles. Think about just taking the next step. And then before you know it, you'll be there. Exactly. Oh, fantastic. Well, talking about the journey, our journey is swiftly getting towards the end of this interview. But we're not going to go anywhere until we offer the lovely listeners the chance of winning our competition. Yes, lovely listeners, it's competition time. Where one of you lucky listeners will get your hands on a copy of Don't Tell Mum, I Made a Mammoth. How do you do that? You're going to head over to our Twitter. That's at Big Kids Book Club. All one long, lovely word. And there you're going to be retweeting and liking our competition post with the hashtag Mammoth Comp. That's Mammoth Comp. And we always do a quizzy question. We like to have some fun because just liking and retweeting is boring. So we've asked you, and I think it fits the theme perfectly. If you could bring back one extinct animal, just one. I know we, could, we want to bring them back all. But if you could just bring back one of them. What animal would you bring back? Keita, I always bounce this to the, the authors because I love putting people on the spot. Obviously, 
you have a we bring back the mammoth in the book briefly what other animals or maybe back to the mammoth would you bring back if you could? I don't think I'd bring a mammoth back because it would be too big um so I, but I would absolutely love uh, to bring back the dodo um because we've already got chickens and I very much like my chickens so it could go in with the chickens so we'd have some little friends already and dodos are just so cute aren't they they're just I, I do love a dodo so that's that's the animal I would bring back but as a bird but yeah I would bring back a dodo there you go hashtag mammoth comp head over to our twitter now how's that sound keita it's absolutely brilliant i cannot wait to read the answers it's always good to see what our our listenership sort of throw out there it's gonna be a lot of fun just like this interview has been but we are unfortunately at the end so it is time to say goodbye thank you so much for being on the show today oh thank you so much marcus it's been an absolute pleasure i'm glad it is but i won't completely let you go until you let our lovely listeners know how they can find out more about you and your books just some social media or a website they can go to Yes, I've got a website, which is um, ketamitchell.com. Um, and there's loads of information on there about the books and the sorts of things I do and my school visits and photographs. And so have, have a look at that. And I'm also on Twitter as um, at Keita Mitchell and Facebook as Keita Mitchell Books. Fantastic. And to you, lovely listeners, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to head over to our Twitter to enter that fantastic competition at Big Kids Book Club. And also you can head over to our website, bigkidsbookclub.com, where you can add and find additional previews, reviews, and over 150 episodes of the show. So if you have just found us, you've got an ice ages worth of content to enjoy. A little mammoth pun there for you. Well done. But that's all the time we have for today. We're going to end it on that note. So to you, lovely listeners, all I can say is for you to take care, to stay safe, most importantly, to keep on reading.